Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. And well, it's important for you to vote no matter who you are and what you believe in, uh, which is good. And you know, there are a lot of common ground things that we all share in common, like you know, taking care of soldiers, things like that, you know, like making sure, um, you know, the school systems are, are, are properly cared for. Those, those things like, you know, we have children, anything around children, basically most Americans kind of feel the same way about. Welcome to How the Song Came to Be. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. Today we are here with singer-songwriter Ellis Paul. Ellis Paul is a storyteller and troubadour in the truest sense. And while his music has been influenced by Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Woody Guthrie, and James Taylor, he has a signature sound and voice all his own. He's toured for over 20 years. He's won Boston Music Awards. He had a song in the movie, Me, Myself, and Irene with Jim Carrey. He's had great success writing songs for adults, but he's also released two children's albums, The Hero and You, songs about heroes like Rosa Parks and Thomas Edison. Ellis's latest release is The Storyteller Suitcase. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Anne. Thank you. This is so awkwardly like a like a one of the speed dating moment or something. It's <laughs> I know it's really cool and really weird, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, cool. Like it's great that we can do this, but it's. I mean, I, I'll, I'll never get over technology and how we can talk to each other like this. It's great. I know. I know. It's amazing. Um, well, I, I sort of hinted at a couple of things I wanted to kind of dive in. To today with you, one of which is my impression of your almost like indefatigable energy and optimism um, around performing and creating and hosting retreats and you know being with people and sharing your your music and words. Um, so that I really want to dive into. But before we do that, um, I want to start the way we always start, which is um, just to ask you like what what was it that compelled you long ago to to start writing songs? Why, why did you do that? Well, uh, th- this would be a good psychology moment I, too, I think. But uh, you know, on the surface, I love the sound of uh, an acoustic guitar. I just love love how it sounds. Love how it feels in my hand. The, the fact that it's tactile, and you put some energy into this piece of wood and strings and then it gives back this beauty and noise and and vibrates against your body and it's comforting and sonically it's comfort comforting physically and uh, and then you know the sound of my voice singing against it weaving words in between the noise of the guitar and and how that's comforting and how socially uh it's it's it greases the wheel of my life socially so i can interact with people and Right. Uh, I get to deconstruct, uh, you know, my life with it and, and what I see of the universe and make sense of it all. And it's a way to like understand my emotional state, and my intellectual state in a better way. And then there's, you know, of course, that that never ending black hole of just needing applause. <laughs> such a rich answer. Um, I can relate to so much of that. So, um, Initially, it's like this tactile, 
this tactile experience of like holding the guitar and like in hearing the sound and like how old were you uh then i was 21 i was i was pretty pretty old i mean yeah. uh, but you know i i i've been an artist and a writer all my life and i played trumpet in high school so there there was music and stuff was and and creativity you know i i always seem to be ahead of the curve of my classmates with that kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh, and when I got to college, I had abandoned it. And um, I was an athlete and I got hurt, had to have surgery on my knee. And, uh, and then I just had a year off. So I started getting back into create, you know, mm -hmm. creative time and, and uh, got sucked in and, and never came out. That's what, so what I'm interested, when did you sort of realize, I mean, cause I feel this way, like that, that songwriting could you, could be a tool for you to understand your own emotions and help you figure stuff out like that 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 it would give you that internal piece because you know there's the external piece like you're talking about greasing the wheel and people like hearing you play songs so what about yeah did you realize that like in high school or uh no i mean i think uh probably went to to music uh, obviously we all get comfort from music so I, I it was externally happening to me with other people's music i'd hear you know the beatles or whoever and i'd be like vibrating in a different way because of this piece of music so but I never thought of writing songs until uh, in my 20s. So, yeah. and then, you know, just over time, I mean, you, the best songs are written from personal experience, I think, anyway, the most believable ones, the ones that are generally moved me the most are, and uh, even though there's still stories and, and probably half of them aren't, aren't you know, stretch the reality of truth. Right. You know? <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, in, in doing that and writing, I just felt like, um, I don't know, I just felt like this energy thing. And I, I think in a way it, it does, oddly enough, keep depression at bay and, and uh, you know, just sort of this dark cloud starts to emerge if I'm not doing creative things. Yeah. And pretty sunny uh, overall, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. The creative thing is pretty much like Prozac for me. I don't know what it does to my serotonin levels, but. Yeah. No, I think that's so true. I was writing something the other day about, um, you know, obviously I don't know what causes depression, you know, I'm sure there can be many causes, but I feel like one of the causes can be um, when you don't express emotions or story, you know, for long enough, if you don't tell your story or talk about your emotions, there's just like, there's like a pent up, you know, I feel like it can lead to that. And, um, yeah. And yeah. I, I remember like feeling like not, not like nothing made sense to me, but in high school being, you know, you, you have your teachers, you, you learn the things you're supposed to learn and like, it's fine, you know? And, but then I remember hearing like Peter Gabriel and being like, Oh, you know, like there's this whole other, like the things that I'm feeling like spiritually or emotionally, the things I'm wondering about, the things I'm yearning for, it's in that music. Like it's not at school. No one's talking about me and my friends aren't talking about it. It's something I can't articulate yet, but it's in that music and it's kind of saving me because I'm feeling like, okay, what I feel inside is actually mirrored by something, some art I'm feeling in the world. And back then, like you, I didn't become a songwriter until much later. I had no idea I was ever going to write a song. But later when I did, I thought, if I could ever make something that moved somebody the way that music moved me, like, mm. I feel like my life kind of 
you know, it meant something or that would feel good, you know? Yeah. It's like an elixir to joy. You know, it's like, it definitely, it's, it does strange things to me as I'm writing and it clearly does strange things to people that completely absorb it, that love me, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, there's some magic to it that's unexplainable, but um, I, I think being aware of, of its, of its importance and power and, and that kind of thing just forces respect on the process and, yeah, you know, and as long as it makes you want to give it your best, because I feel like if the level of excellence is high, and when I'm working on the responses of, of excellence is really high ah. at the same time, there's this corresponding like the harder I focus, the more I am attuned to what I'm writing about, the better the response. And over time, as the, as I've gotten better at like editing and you know, and writing in general and conceptualizing songs, I feel like uh, the songs are better and then the responses are more focused and, and uh, I'm getting more out of what I'm putting in. I'm getting back what I want. So it's, it's, there's a lot of magic happening in that dialogue between me and the audience. That's really cool. I, I just kind of want to highlight what you just said for songwriters who are listening, just like the, the what you put in is what you get out and the level of excellence and and the feedback i think that is because i know sometimes people are like well you know it was this is what came out like i don't know if i want to edit it you know but yeah. caring, caring so much about the details like that is really i'm glad that you that you brought that up that's super cool well i've done it the other way <laughs> <You know? laughs> let's let's release an album of first drafts okay <laughs> <laughs> Let's write it in a week and then record it and then, hey, I got an album. And, right, and right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, both ways. It's not wrong. Um, well, this might be a good segue, too, because you're talking about, um, you know, depression a little bit and, and using creativity as a tool to keep it at bay. But um, what, you know, what I mentioned earlier, I know, I know I don't know you that well, but I've been, you know, following your career all these years and our paths have crossed. And, Mm -hmm. What's really struck me about you um, in particular, like, you know, I see other artists, they, um, you know, they'll have, you know, and I mean, we all have an ebb and a flow, but they'll have a, you know, a big creative output and then kind of like a hibernation, you know, period. And, and that, that's fine. Um, but with you, I feel like the, the, you've had such a, a steady pace and you're, you're so much in the world and it never feels forced, you know, I, and it always feels like you, there's just this energy and you're in motion and that you are able to be rejuvenated. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about, you know, is that something that you feel is true about yourself? And if, if so, could you share about that a little bit? Well, you know, from the inside looking out, it doesn't quite feel that way, but I, I, I can understand how it would look that way from the outside looking in. Uh, yeah because I feel like there are lots of ebbs and flows to my, my creative life. But I think one of the things that I, happens to my creative life is I, I do so much. Um, you know, I, I make videos and I, I draw and paint and do posters and I'm, I'm always doing really creative business related things and then I'm songwriting. So in the context of all of that, I'm constantly working on creativity and, and, and putting out pretty, I think, good stuff. Like my heart's in it, my heart's involved in it. But I might, in that cycle of things, only hit a song once every three months. 
So, you know, and then, and then I'll dive into my songs and I'll just do songs and then I'll come up with four songs. Like I, last week I started three songs. Uh, I had a down period of time in Wisconsin. So all I did was drive uh, to Wisconsin and then sit in a, an apartment for a week by myself and draw and write and draw and write and draw and write. Wow. So, which was great, but there were no kids in my life that week and there was no interruptions from my personal life and business stuff was kind of put on hold. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm managing it um, in an interesting way. And to me, the, the drawing stuff gives my songwriting brain a break and my ah. songwriting gives my business stuff a break. And, and uh, so the flow of everything, yes, is constant. But um, sometimes I feel like I'm ne neglecting the, uh, the songwriting by having too many creative balls in here. So, oh, uh, yeah. Interesting. Still, you know, I've still managed to write a lot and, uh, and write, you know, writing kids' music occasionally and writing holiday songs and writing for country music and television shows. There's, there's a lot, I have a lot of options. So it's, it's, yeah. um, I don't feel like I'm stuck in any one, one kind of path. Well, and I feel like there's something to that. You said like drawing gives your songwriting brain a break. I feel like sometimes I, I need it, I need to be creative, but it needs to be something else. You know what yeah. I mean? Then I can come back to songwriting and I'm like excited. I was recently in a song group where, you know, you, you know, the ones where you get kicked out if you don't. <laughs> and I was just like, you know what? I, yeah. I can't deal with the threats. Like I just, yeah. wow, I, feel, I feel like writing a blog post right now. I feel like creating like a Canva image. You know what I mean? Like I, a lot of times I want to make things and it, but it has nothing to do with songwriting, but then it's easier to um, come back. But yeah, you know, in many ways, I, I don't, I don't see myself as a songwriter anymore. I see myself as a media company, a little tiny cottage media company that makes songs and art and books, and uh, and does you know teaching things and retreats. So the evolution of my career is grown into this thing that's very broad and not tight. It you know, yeah. when even within the songwriting, it's very broad because it's not just songs about Ellis Paul's personal experience in life it's not my diary entries anymore you know it's 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 about writing for other projects it's writing educational songs for kids it's i'm still putting out these albums and and you know i'm very proud of them and they're the heart of what i do and the most important thing i create but um forcing myself to make a living just off of that will, will not get my kids into college will not get a retirement fund for myself in 15 years you know it right the, necessity is what's really driving the engine of what I do and, yeah. uh, and creativity is the gas but necessity is the reason I'm in the car like because <laughs> you know, right. right. I got kids to feed and uh, yeah and I love them and I want them to be you know plump <laughs> I want to feed them yeah. well <laughs> I, I hear it. it's funny how necessity can really <laughs> oh, yeah. really yeah. move things along. And then with, in terms of you like managing yourself, like I don't mean music managing yourself, I mean in a day, you know, if you're like, what am I going to work on? Will you go towards the thing that you feel most excited about? Like, how do you, do you is it, are you in some sort of a flow? Like what's your style? You know, that's interesting. Um, it's kind of like, what do I need to work on next that's important? I kind of have to prioritize what the creative, you know, cycle of stuff is. Um, you know, for the most part, my album's been out since June, and I've been focusing a lot of my creative life on conceptualizing 
the marketing for that record and you know, I'm selling these little suitcases. Um, the album is called the Storyteller Suitcase. So there's a little suitcase. Yeah. I sell them for like $150. And inside the suitcase is all this stuff that's mentioned in that song on the album. Oh, and cool. It's, it's like a it's like the deluxe version of the album. You get a little suitcase, you get the CD booklet, you get tickets and so, you know, that took a lot of conceptualizing and then I had to find all the products that were being put in there. There's a little pen, a little journal, a little flask. And then I started working on all the videos. So I had to conceptualize the videos and start getting those things and record them myself. And yeah. so all my songwriting creativity was put on hold and the, the marketing and the video creating stuff was in the foreground. Uh, and then last week, I'm like, I haven't written a song in two months if I don't write a song I'm gonna break out into a rash so yeah. I I was in Madison I said okay now you're gonna start writing songs I have these ideas that I've written down and finally I finally get to them so I stockpile stuff I'll stock stockpile uh, book ideas I'll stockpile song ideas and then eventually I'll find a time where I just focus sharply on those things oh. yeah hey I lost you there are you still there no I'm here okay yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, I never lost you. I okay. Heard, yeah. I heard all of it. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting all the places we can bring our creativity and you're, you're reminding me of how, like I, when I, when I put out this record, which I put out in November, which is also a book, which I showed you, I, I had this idea. Like I was like, okay, like what if each month, of the year I feature a song and well and in the book also here I'll show you like for each song I list a creativity key like that gave birth to the song so maybe the creative creativity key is like surrender like so say I was trying to yeah. make the song upbeat but it didn't want to be upbeat so finally I surrender to the song and it's like a ballad or, or whatever it is or it's you know um alchemy like turning one thing into something else so anyway so you know I thought well each month I'll feature a song each month I'll feature creativity key and then I'll invite people to, you know, some sort of action invitation based on the song. So say it's the celebration song, I'll invite people to maybe celebrate something in their lives that they sort of never bothered or, you know, and if they thought it wasn't important to celebrate themselves or celebrate somebody, you know, whatever it is to have there be um, something they can actually do. And then this social action thing that I asked you to do, that would be another piece of it. But just even conceptualizing right. that, like that it, it's bigger than and writing the song. It's like an interactive um, thing. Like it, it took a little while to like figure out what that was. And so it's like the creativity is always there, but it's just kind of in, in, in different places and it's, um, it's bigger than the, than the song. So. Yeah, and I think you are reacting exactly like I am with the fact that, you know, we're no longer really selling CDs at the same rate we used to. In fact, it's, it's pretty, much, pretty much over. So you have to find bigger ways to sell the concept of a song. You're using a book and you're using all these uh, add-ons uh, with making people react and thinking about the, the concept of the song, not just the song itself, but and then how that applies to their own life. And I, I think that's... That's just you being not only uh, really creative, but really a good business person because you're you're thinking beyond the song because the song itself is no longer generating enough flow of income, maybe the way it used to anyway. Um, so right. we're reacting in these creative ways to broaden 
broaden what we do in a way that um, you know makes up for the fact that we're we're not selling music in the same way anymore. Right, and it's also like it's just another way of connecting when like so much stuff is like online and yeah. once removed, it's like, Oh, here's something you can hold in your hand. I can hand it to you. And here's something you can think about and let me know what you did. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Here's my piano. Um, my gosh, I feel like I could talk to you for like three hours. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm willing to, I, mean, I, I can gab about this too. Cause the secret is to me, like the question isn't like, uh, it, it's no longer like, can you write songs? Yes, I can write songs right now. But how can you make a great living doing it and and still feel like soulful about it? Like, right. you know, it's like you're being honest about it, like it's coming from the heart. It's coming from your, your intellect and the ideas are true to who you are. Um, you know, and I, I feel a little bit more excited since I've shifted and gotten out of that fear zone of like, you know, CDs are going like this, the stores are going like this, right. uh, you know, income from internet is really, really 0. 0.006, a, a penny for every play on Spotify. And oh God, I, know. You know, I mean, how, how much can we get ticked over before we revolt? And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, there's, I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to game it, but I'm going to do it with my, um, you know, with my heart and my creativity. And those are my, my my weapons so to speak well yeah and you said that earlier too when you were talking about all your different projects you said my heart's in it like so it's like all oh, those yeah. different buckets like you're yeah. bringing your heart and so that i guess maybe that's the answer to the question of how do you have so much energy it's like because you're you're like love is in it yeah love and and necessity, necessity right? <laughs> love and necessity. combination yeah i mean it, and that's it like uh, this is like it's the same idea I had in the beginning when I started. I'm sure you, you did too. Like people always tell you, find the thing that you love and then make a living doing it and just allow it to happen. Um, but it, it's not just about finding that thing that you love. You have to put love into the thing you love. And yeah. then, and then I think there's a karmic reciprocation that happens in the flow of money and energy and, and, and love comes back to you. And uh, yeah, so it's certainly not easy. You have to be good at it. You have to be committed and, and um, you know, you have to work. I mean, I, no, I don't know of anyone that works as much as I do who, who does this. Cause I'm, I'm 24 seven, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. doing 150 shows a year and I'm, yeah. I'm out there hitting it hard and, you know, writing in the car, writing at night, writing in hotel rooms. Yeah. And it's constant. Yeah. I, f I feel that. I feel that. But, it, but, but I feel, you know, I don't feel that, that, hard work energy that like I then don't want to consume your art like it still just feels really good you know what I mean it doesn't feel forced like you're but you are working hard so I know we could talk about that forever let's let's shift to um a song though would you would sure. you kind of tell us um a story uh behind one of your songs like how it came to be made and then and, and then play it yeah um you know this time around this is my 20th album and um it's called a storyteller suitcase and a lot of it is about traveling and going places, leaving places. Um, and about the, the plight of all of us, I guess who are doing this. Uh, this one is called, you'll never be this young again. And uh, it's derived from a conversation I had with my dad. When I was 27, I was at his place in Maine and uh, heading out to a show 
with my guitar in hand and he stopped me and he said, you, you can't keep doing this. And I said, I can't, can't keep on doing what? And he said, you can't keep doing music. You gotta, you gotta think about grad school and going back and getting a degree, a master's degree in something, a law degree or something and, and uh, you know, get a house, get a family and start thinking about what you're gonna do with your life. And um, at that point, I was 20, 27, and I was pretty deep into the rabbit hole of music. And yeah. um, I knew that there was no reverse, that I was either going to be a homeless musician singing songs on the street, or, uh, or I was going to be a Bruce Springsteen. Somewhere in between all of those, <laughs> that, that wide swath was going to be what I created for myself. And, uh, and I knew that's what I was going to do. There's no plan B. And so, you know, that created this gap in my life uh, with my dad. Um, and, and then it hit me like six or seven months ago, it finally hit me what he meant. And what he was really trying to say was, uh, please don't live in my basement. <laughs> that should have been your chorus, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, my, my daughter had sent me an mp3 she's 15 and uh, you know I, she, she's, she wrote her first song and uh, I was like about to hit and I, I like I, you know it was on my phone I'm like I cannot believe she wrote a song like I had yeah. no idea that she was remote, remotely interested had never really heard her sing you know outside wow. of maybe this in the car yeah you know so not really getting a sense of what her her, her personality voice was and uh then i you know i hit it thinking i'm gonna pretend like this is great no matter what it is you know i'm gonna just like make sure yeah. I'm of her. and uh, i hit it and it was beautiful and you know it sounded so great and it was like a voice i had never heard the melody was really great the lyrics were really good and it was really artful and i was crying as i was listening and then a little voice came in the back of my head and it said Please don't live in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how good it was. Oh no, you're good at this. Like shit. Yes, right, right. And my dad probably had no concept of how good I was at all. But I know that my daughter it has potential. She has a lot of potential. And um, so that voice was like, wow, that's my dad. My dad's speaking in the back of my head. And, and yeah. Uh, it's a hard way to make a living though and I you know yeah. if she wants to do it she can have keys to any room in my house forever but uh, I finally got it you know and there's this there's this idea that we're supposed to spend our 20s that's that's your free pastime that's yeah. your hall pass to go out and explore whatever avenue you want to fail at yeah and your parents will tell you and society will tell you oh yeah go ahead be like uh, an improv actor yeah uh, you know, at your local theater, uh, go write songs and perform on the street, paint murals, go do all that stuff that we know you're going to fail at and, uh, you know, get, get the dreaming out of the way so you can get on with your life. Yeah. And as soon as 30 starts creeping in, everyone says, okay, it's time. You got to get back to reality here. And, 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 uh, mm. and so that's what this song is about. It's the dream that never stops. You don't want to be one of those people that, hits 50 and looks back at their life and says, you know, I, I could have been, I could have, I should have, I would have, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's why I wrote this. And uh, it's about a young person who's pursuing a dream. It's about an old person who wants to pursue a dream. And uh, 
It's called You'll Never Be This Young Again.
You know, I suddenly remembered the very first time I heard you play. Oh, really? At Club Passim, like a million years ago, I was, we I probably had written like three songs or something. <laughs> yeah, and I just like, I remember like the, the feeling that like you just put a thousand percent into that, like on this little online thing. I just, I love that about you. You just like, you go after the song, you know, you don't, yeah, I love that. I mean, you may as well be performing at Madison Square Garden for how well you just performed <laughs> that for me. Thank you. Yeah, um, I might as well be. <laughs> yeah, I might as well be. Um, it occurs to me. It's a kid. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the older I get, the more I realize it. Like, God, if five people or 5,000 show up, man, this might be as good as it gets. You know? Yeah. I can get this chance twice. And sometimes I have to give myself that little pep talk before I, I go on stage. Like, this, this is going to be the best show you've ever done. How are you going to make that happen? Well, you have a lyric in one of your songs or something about how sometimes it's sold out or, and yeah. sometimes there's just a, yeah, so that's a pep talk. That sounds like a good. Right. Like, and, and you never know, like I've had so many situations where, you know, someone was in the audience that literally could change my life and, and uh, you know, or have my life changed uh, their lives, you know? It's just like this a reciprocated thing. like. You know, if you can move, I just played in Minneapolis, you know, and it, it was the show I set up like a month before. And, and uh, so there was low numbers and, and I'm out there like, how am, how am I going to make this thing magic and, and then figure it out and then go out and do it? You know, how, how do you make it great? Even if the circumstances aren't great, how do you make it great? Yeah, yeah. Well, you actually, you just leaned in and I can hear you better now than oh, okay. back and you got quiet for a second. I just recently got a letter from somebody who backed my Kickstarter campaign and to, to tell me that this one gig I played in Eugene, Oregon, I don't know how many years ago, like got helped lift him out of a terrible depression, you know, or just like it was yeah. a little moment. He was very alone, like living in a new place. And that was a gig that I... I wrote it off. I was like, that was a, that was a reason never to go on there. I mean, there were like three people, yeah. there. it was like the Super Bowl, And I was like, you know, like I had, I had filed that under failure. And it was so interesting to be like, oh, not exactly. You know what I mean? Like, right. And um, so, yeah, it's a good reminder, but it occurs to me to say also, um, you know, our, my older daughter is like, she's ever since she's five, she's like, mom, I'm an artist. Like, so just like, because I tried to sign her up for soccer. She's like, but I'm an artist. Like, artists can play soccer. I'm just saying. Yeah. But anyway, there's like a level of fear in me that I'm, I say to Frank, you know, who is also, you know, touring musician for many years. And we're like, okay, we're really, 90% of us is really excited, but 10% of us is afraid. And, yeah. Right. But it occurs to me to say something my friend, Jen Lee says, which is that like, sometimes it's not, it's not always in the response, but like we ourselves are changed by the work we make. Like we, like we, we become ourselves and like, that would be the biggest regret, you know, not the biggest regret is not like, Oh, do I have to keep another job in order to make my art? It's just like, if you don't make it, you never, and you, and you feel drawn to it. It's like, you don't have that experience 
Yeah. Sometimes I just make it and I'm like, oh, wait, do I really have to like go tour it? Because I actually feel pretty good that I made it. <laughs> Maybe that's enough. <laughs> Is that enough? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> The 70, the 80 year old version of us is going to be just fine with making it. <laughs> it's going to be like, whatever. Here's another one. This is great. Okay, next. You know, you share it with your, your card playing friend on your front porch. And yeah, and there's going to be no five year plan with like, okay, like how do we make this song into, into a hit? How do we get this into the hands of Oprah? Yeah, um, exactly. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to, you know, go too long. I want to respect your time and, and, and people who are tuning in. But so let me just tell people there's been, I wanted to add to the, to the, how the song came to be podcast, this social action component where we could show how we could use our creativity, um, for other things. And so the first social action that I did was with Susan Warner. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we went to grocery stores and we passed out dollar bills to people who weren't using <laughs> plastic bags. If they were <laughs> using their own bags or paper bags, we would give them a dollar. And it was, I was terrified that I was going to get arrested, but I did not. And it ended up being fun. And then I asked Ellis what he wanted to do. And he wanted to do something around getting out the vote. So I'll let, I'll let you speak to that, what you wanted to do and um, yeah. how it went. Or, did you do it yet? I haven't done it yet. Um, I'm planning on doing it this week. I'm going to release um, a song called um, Election Day. And of course, New Hampshire, I, I don't know if this, this is probably a dated, uh, if people aren't listening on the day that this is created, it's, it's, it's New Hampshire's election day for, it's the Democratic uh, primary. So, um, you know, and I'm trying to want to encourage people to just go out and vote and register to vote and make a difference. And, uh, I heard this song, it's by Mike Brown. Uh, he's someone that works at, uh, that I discovered at one of the retreats that I do. And uh, it's a song called Election Day and it's a reworking of a, an old traditional folk melody, but um, he changed the words and made it about the election. It's a great song. And I, when I heard it, I, I stopped him and asked him to play it again. And I asked him to play it again after that. And then I stopped him again and asked him to play it. And after four times, I'm like, I have to record this song. It's just, it's too good. So I recorded it. And now that we're in the, the first thrust of the election season and, and we're trying to determine who's going to represent Democrats, um, I'm, I'm going to release the song this week on social media with a, with a prompt for everyone to go out and vote. And, and it's a good way to get the song out there because um, it's a song about, you know, creating social change using your own whatever little piece of power that you have in the world and and the vote is where we start awesome awesome cool so as part of the the social action uh me and the guests were supposed to do the same thing so i was like oh my god i have to learn this song like yesterday and play it on social media yeah i didn't have time for so i did go on social media and encourage people um to vote and i also was honest about the fact that I have recently moved to Milwaukee and I'm not registered to vote yet in Wisconsin. And now you, Ellis, have reminded me that I'm going to go do that um, right away. Yes. Yeah. You're going to be the one of 20,000 people, hopefully, that will launch it that way. Or I guess that, yeah, keep, whatever that way is. I keep moving from swing state to swing state. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We all now we should. Make around. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad you're doing that. And um, another thing that got me to thinking was like how about, I just feel like these days it's so hard 
people who have different points of view don't talk to each other that much. So I was just thinking about how, how do I end up having like loving conversations more with people that I don't necessarily agree with. And I was, I was, I was sort of diving into that. So that's sort of where your, your prompt also took me because I think, um, I think it's important. So. Yeah. And well, it's important for you to vote no matter who you are and what you believe in, uh, which is good. And you know, there are a lot of common ground things that we all share in common, like, you know, taking care of soldiers, things like that, you know, like making sure, um, you know, the school systems are, are, are properly cared for those, those things like, you know, we have children, anything around children, basically most Americans kind of feel the same way about child, child care issues and educational issues that way. That doesn't mean the government does, but um, generally we feel that way about things like public education and stuff. So right. there are common grounds to focus conversations on with people that are opposed to you and yeah, I mean, I feel like really probably people, there's like an 80% area of overlap and we just keep hearing about the, you know, so it's like- yeah. Guns, abortion, and you know, that kind like of stuff. Trigger, trigger a, a not productive conversation before you can actually make a heart connection with someone is not um, the best order of events. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's back to our songwriting podcast. Um, if uh, if you had one piece of advice, you've you know shared a lot of really great um, um, wisdom today, especially since you've had such you know a long career and you've made so much great work. Um, if you if you could only give one piece of advice to to makers, songwriters, and creative folks, um, what would it be? Wow, um, there's so much, but. I I think, you know, I, I learned from asking and dissecting, asking questions about my favorite songs and dissecting them, you know. I, well, in the early days when I went on the road, uh, I would take Bob Dylan's entire catalog and I'd sit in my car and for eight weeks or how long that trip was, I would listen to nothing but Bob Dylan. And, and after, you know, getting out of the car after eight weeks, I talked like Bob Dylan, I dressed like Bob Dylan, I smelled like Bob Dylan, you know, it was, really immersive in in a way and uh but i'd be in the car and i'd be like why am i so moved by this song like why why is it hitting me so hard and why is it making me cry or, or you know making me think or making me feel and and um and just diving in and thinking about what what did he do there how did how did how did that happen how did that magic happen and then yeah. you know learn those lessons from the people that you love and emulate them when you can uh, without stealing from them if you yeah. can and uh yeah i think that's the main thing is just being become a fan of it and you know eventually after learning you know all of the classic songwriters that i love so much i got to peers like you and 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 uh Anja Duvicott and sam baker and mark Aureli and, and and a lot of these up-and-coming people that are emerging I, I treat them the same way i listen a lot and uh I remember yeah. with you, God, what was the name of the song? There was one of your songs that I just was like, boom, boom, repeat, 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 like hundreds of times. But well, this was, um, was it? Chris Trapper sings background. Oh, um, Pieces of Me. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that song just kills me. Oh, thank so you. So great. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. I remember like, why? What did you say there? I kept on rewinding, trying to get all the lyrics. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. 
Oh, thank you, Alice. That's so nice. You know what, when you're saying, I just remembered one other thing I wanted to say about one of your songs, you reminded me when you were talking about listening to Bob Dylan and be like, why am I so moved? Or what did they do there? It, is it called Innocence and in the Afterlife, that song? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's so amazing because you're talking, it's either your daughter or somebody's daughter's, you know, you're talking about where do people go, you know, a child asking where do people go when they die and like, well, you know, you're like, well, some people say you go to heaven and it's wonderful. Other people say, I, I, I'm making this up, but you become dust and, you know, or whatever. And the Buddhists say, you know, you could come back. And then, and then there's this idea, you know, she says, can I come back as a puppy? And you say, yes. And then she says, if I came back as a puppy, would I still belong to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. Like right there, I was like, oh my God, you just like, because that's, because that, there's like no longer cerebral. Like anybody could, somebody might believe, be a Buddhist, they might be an atheist, they might all, we could talk about that all day long, but nobody cannot be moved by that, that, that feeling of like, wherever I go, like, will I stay connected? I mean, it's just, that was so good, that, that placement of that line. <laughs> well, yeah, and she said it, so that was her line. She actually said that to me, and, uh, and you know, another thing, too, I just... Oh, I you set it up right. You set it up right. Yeah, I mean, it was like, and then you just, it's a mic drop moment, then you get out of the song as quickly as possible uh, after yeah. you drop that line. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I no longer think that um, the big events like that conversation are too big for a song, you know. I knew it was, the, it was probably the most profound conversation I ever had in my life. Um, but when I get like, and I, I thought there's no way this conversation took an hour to have with a five-year-old um, and she was crying by the end of it and I was crying with it. And it was the big dad moment, like the biggest dad moment I've ever had. And um, for a long time, I thought, you know, it would be great to write about it, but it could never be a song. I mean, how do you make it rhyme? How do you, and I no longer think that like any, yeah. any really big moment from my, my life now, I feel like I'm, I'm a capable writer and I can do it in four minutes. Yeah. And express the, the nugget of it in that amount of time. But it took me a lot of time to get here, you know, and well, have I love confidence that. in it. But it leaves a lot of new ideas open, you know, like these really things that, yeah. really amazing things that happen to me that I can see if I can condense. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I don't put it out. But yeah, you know, the thing is to swing for the big ones. You can let yourself try. I love that. That's so cool. That's a great, um, that's a great idea to leave us with. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, man. Yeah, you're not self-selecting in advance, so opting out the big... Yeah. Yeah, but cool. One thing I had, if you don't mind, just... <laughs> there's the one, more, the one I just started. Uh, a friend of mine left the Mormon church, and uh, he lost his wife, he lost his kids, he lost his community, he lost his, his home, he was ostracized by his town. And uh, during that week, he calls me up, and he says, I... I can't be alone right now. And I was on the road in California and like three states over from Utah. I said, come, come on over. I'll, I'm, I, I'm in the car. I'm driving for the next 10 days. Come, come and join me. And, uh, and so this, I, I ended up having him in my car and this is pretty much the week that it happened. Oh and God. it was just a really profound, really big thing that happened. And I'm like, this would be really great to write about, but could you write about it in a song? And I said, you know, now I'm like, yes, it's, right. it's exactly how many people are in those situations where they've been ostracized from their communities and, and uh, our churches or whatever it is, their, their mm -hmm. thing, because they, they suddenly don't want to, you know, function in that world anymore. 
And uh, so that's the, you know, that seems like a really big idea for a four minute song, but uh, I'm going for it. You're going, oh good, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot to lose for leaving a church. It's really. Yeah, yeah. Like that because it's, it's true, so. It's a tough situation and, um, and you know, when he was with me, he was trying bacon and coffee and alcohol and pot. I mean, he was like, I'm like, slow down. So the comedy, you know, it was really apparent as well. You know, it was drunk. Like, hold off on the bacon for another Yeah, time. yeah, too much bacon. <laughs> In your first week, it's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's going to be a funny song and a sad song and a profound song, hopefully. And hopefully yeah. it will work when it's done. But, yeah, it, it will be. It'll work. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alice, so much. Thank you, man. Pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, until next time. Right. Stay in touch. Thanks so much for joining us. If you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks so much. Much love.